No one invited me to South by. No, me either. I was almost going to go, though, this year. Oh, really? Yeah, because of spring break. I was going to time yeah. it up because Cam was going to be down there. Oh, fun. And I was going to be like, well, that could be a fun thing. It is do. always over my birthday. It's always in South by Falls, like, no matter what. Spring break birthday. That's me, baby. Spring breaker. Oh. We can't start this episode with a coronavirus prologue. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, man. No. Finger on the pulse. No. Contagion app coming soon. Should we do right, this? All right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay, who is Jude Why is he in every movie I have seen? He's in everything. He's in everything. He's gay. He's straight. He's American. He's British. Next he's playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the movie. Forgive my compromised sense of humor. I did want to answer our host question. Jude Law is, he's, he's one of our finest actors. Hello and welcome to Law School. I'm Fran Hoffner. I'm Caroline Simons. And this is the podcast where you hear us talk about Jude Law. The actor. The actor. The man, the myth, the legend. Yep, it's got nothing to do with the law. Like real law school, nope, it's a play on words about Jude himself. If you got this far into the podcast waiting for legal commentary, we are sorry. I keep waiting for some kind of review. You could leave us a review in the show, but some review that's like... Where are the torts? Right, yeah. Where's con, con, con law? Con law. That's all I know about (laughs) law school. I have so many friends who have gone to law school, I know nothing about it. Well, you didn't go. You're not obligated to know. That's, I, su- I suppose. You're busy. But speaking of a guy who loves the law. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. No, that um, was good. Today we are talking about the 2012 film Anna Karenina, in which Jude Law plays Karenin, a guy who loves the law. What are they saying in Moscow about the new statute? Here it caused quite a sensation. He's a minister. He's a minister, He's all got, right. He's the one guy in this movie with a job. Besides the peasants. Yeah, that's true. The peasants who work for Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason is sort of is like a startup founder. <laughs> she, surf, she's a surf lord. Surf lord having a a plot of land is like having a startup. Well, but your your tech is hey. Oh, bad. <laughs> oh, quite bad. We're starting on a great note. Um, I love I love this movie. I'm so happy we're talking about this movie. I wanted to make you happy. You're my good friend. I had not remembered watching this movie. And when I watched it, I had a great time. I saw this in theaters. Did you see it in theaters? No. no. Oh, I saw it in theaters uh, with my buddy Debbie back in Chicago when it mm-hmm. came out. And this came out in fall of 2012, where I feel like a lot of good movies came out. Yeah, that was or a good like, time. I remember Looper, which I loved. And Cloud Atlas, which I loved. All movies I have not seen. <laughs> That's your crazy. <laughs> Two perfect movies. Cloud um, Atlas, a perfect film. Universally recognized as such. Yep. Looper, a perfect film. <laughs> Better than Knives Out. Uh, I'll say it. I'll say it. And then Anna Kay. Anna Kay, which I love. And the last good Joe Wright movie Oh, to my exist. Goodness. Yeah. He had done The Soloist before this, though. I was going through his filmography. Did Joe Wright do The Soloist? Yes, he did. Mm, I've erased that. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, we refuse to acknowledge. I haven't even... The two Robert Downey Jr. movies he did during his tenure as Iron Man that were not Iron Man. Right. And what's the other due date? Uh, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, oh, due date. Due you know what? Name. Where's the stat I'm reading that's like he only did two movies while doing the I Avengers? don't know. Joe Wright did The Soloist. Yeah. Is bruh. that? I've really chosen not to know that. Oh, I have. I mean, again, the Robert Downey Jr. crush in high school led me to keep an eye on what projects were coming out. And even I did not see that movie. 
Joyride? I had, I had nothing on my plate in 2009. I could have gone and seen that movie. I did not. Oh, I'm never going to see that movie. Me neither. Now I have a life. Is this the part where I Humble say Joe, Joe Wright high key fell off? <laughs> like, I don't know that we're going to get Joe Wright back, which is crazy. What's gone... What's going on with it? Well, he did. What, 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 what's the big fall off? I mean, you, this is a high pedestal for you because you I, love this movie. I love this movie. What came after Do that I think it's heart? the best Joe Wright? I don't think so. Because I'm an atonement stan also. Good. Uh, but he falls off with Pan. Pan. Pan? Pan. The, what the hell's Pan? Are you kidding? Uh-oh. Just found it. It's, it's his, like, oh, Peter no. Pan... People gotta Prequel, leave Peter Pan alone. Where Rooney Mara is Tiger Lily. Oh, sheesh. There's a clip that goes around on Twitter every year this. for this where they do, um, I, I don't know, Smells Like Teen Spirit, all the pirates do that. No. It's like a 25 second clip. That's it, real? I yeah. thought that was like. No, that's a from bit. Pan. Oh, for God's sake. The good thing in 10 Pan. 10 years after Moulin Rouge, we're gonna try that again? I think that's a song. I could be wrong. No, it's, no, it's the pirate ships are flying. Yeah. Oh, God. There's one good performance in the 25 minutes of Pan I have seen. Hugh Jackman? No, it's Garrett Hedlund as really? young Hook. Sounds hot. Yeah, he's like having fun. I'm happy he's quotes. having fun. Sorry, um, for, I really did visualize Charlie Hunnam again when you said Garrett Hedlund. They play brothers in Triple Frontier. Yeah, a movie Catherine Bigelow should have directed. They got to get over on all those frontiers. Oh um, but he does Pan, Nightmare. He does Darkest Hour, a movie that some people like, but I do not. I probably would love that. I haven't seen it. You know, I thought that, but no. I do. There's love one Gary good Oldman. performance in that movie too. Ben Mendelsohn. It's Ben Mendelsohn. Of course it is. Of course it's Ben Mendelsohn. Forever the MVP. And now he's doing this Woman in the Window movie with Amy Adams. Woman in the Window. You know about this? No. You know about this shit? Tell me. What's Shh. up, Fran? It's like a. It's based on one of those true crime, Gone Girl adjacent books. But there was a big sort of publishing scandal with this author. Great New Yorker article about this Ooh. guy big huckster i feel mm-hmm. but the book is basically about an agoraphobe who strikes up a friendship maybe with like a neighbor's wife and then suspects the neighbor's wife has been killed is that rear window yeah essentially sort of rear mm-hmm. window disturbia core but the whole thing is she's like afraid to leave the house also sounds like quarantine sorry moving on all right um but th- it's coming out like all good movies do in april oh good so promising and Amy's, you know, Amy doing one of her frantic Amy performances. She deserves better. Then Joe Wright? Well, I want Joe Wright to come back. What happened? Pan, I guess. I'm Pan. learning this all right now in real time. Yeah, he high-key falls off. Because I know Joe Wright from Atonement, Pride and Prejudice, not in that order. And then... Hannah? You seen Hannah? Not seen Hannah. Cool movie. Serge was supposed to be in this. Anna Kay. Serge was supposed to be the kitty role, and she had to drop out to do something... Oh, Saoirse would have been a great kitty. She would have been a great kitty, but Alicia Vikander is a great kitty. She's great. She's one of the best performances in this after Jude. Jude's amazing. Jude's amazing. They're all amazing. I don't think there's a weak link in this cast. Aaron Taylor Johnson right. is gorgeous, but... I think he's good. Old blue eyes. Old blue eyes. <laughs> Aaron. New blue eyes. New blue eyes. Old blue eyes is Jude Law once again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, I'm right. I, I like Aaron Taylor. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson's good. He's sort of like British Ben Foster. Wow. Where he shows yeah. up and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh-uh. Uh-oh. Gonna ruin my life? All right. Yeah. 
Remember when he won a Golden Globe for Nocturnal Animals? Sheesh. No. <laughs> Crazy thing to happen. This you, was only like three years ago. I didn't see Nocturnal Animals. Don't. Really? Don't. I will. No. I'll do it now. You you're gonna, mad. You're going to like that movie. Uh, is that Velvet Buzzsaw Guy? No. No, it's Tom Ford. Oh, right. Right. right Amy right, Adams. Right, right, right. Amy Adams. Horrible movie. Nocturnal Animals. But the whole thing was that Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Globe but then didn't get nominated for an Oscar for it, Michael Shannon did. Good. Right. So I was like, okay, so maybe like if someone's got to win for this, it better be Michael Shannon, but then Who won that year? I don't know. Well, Anna Karenina. (laughs) Anna Karenina for this Aaron Taylor Johnson, Innocent. Yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. I thought the horse thing was good, the race. Let's talk about the plot (laughs) of this movie. (laughs) To kick off our discussion of the plot of this movie, the aesthetic of this film is... All the world's a stage, baby. And yeah. when you're in high society, it's like you're being on a stage and it's all kind of done in this massive, beautiful theater. It's total Moulin Rouge core, mm-hmm. but not a, not a musical. Right. It's very much like the theater. Like we're on stage when we leave a room in this movie. We're actually walking through the rafters. Um, there are a couple scenes that open up to the outdoors. There are a lot of sets that are painted and supposed to look like painted sets. Apparently, Joe Wright, they were set to go into production normally like obviously they filmed at um not pinewood shepperton like which Mm -hmm. is another huge outside of london stage storied history they were all set to film and two months before production in a classic director move which i love and respect joe wright apparently was up late at night with his baby and he's like what if we actually showed the stage so like it was going to be a normal production with like exteriors and carriages pulling up to houses and stuff and then two months before production calls his DP, he calls in Kira Knightley, who you have to consult with on these. Yeah. And he's like, what if we did it like this? And they scrap like production design and wardrobe and stuff changes and they make the shift two months before going to production of this massive period piece movie that they're gonna do it in this self-referential theatrical style. Which is kinda neat. Yeah. Which you can kind of see because some of the sets are very much there. Anna's bedroom and home with Jude Law is fully set up and established. Like you have when they do exteriors and they go out to the country. Society's fake, country's real. Yeah, country is one real. of the many sort of like Theme. takes in like all takes to- themes. Yeah. yeah, it's a theme. It's Tolstoy's take in all of Tolstoy <laughs> books. Like that is kind of what's Tolstoy's take on this. But yeah, I I thought that was remarkable. Like. Two months out is not a lot of time. To no, it's amazing. So much. And it changes the whole tenor of the way the movie works. Yes. And I love period pieces. And I the thing about them that I think often determines like an okay to good one from a great one is that you have to have some stylistic take on it. Mm-hmm. It can't just be like, it looked like the past, therefore it is interesting. Right, and there are so many period pieces truly lost to time. Totally. If you do a straightforward interpretation of the text, it's like, why commit it to film? Come on, it's a different medium, do something different. Mm-hmm. I loved it because I love British cinema of the 40s and 50s, which is when you get Pinewood, which is when you get Shepperton, and you have Powell and Pressburger movies, which are... They have this incredible storied history of these beautiful painted sets and this meticulous detail and this bright technicolor. Because the 40s and 50s, it wasn't standard to have your movies shot in technicolor where it becomes kind of like a given in the 60s and 70s. I think Mm -hmm. the first British technicolor film is like in 36, but I don't know what it is exactly. You have to forgive me. But, you know, I, I... would just stack this up against... I mean, Pinewood is where Powell and Pressburger shot everything, which is, again, not Shepperton, but it's in the same tradition. And, you know, like, you can't not look at these sets and think about these amazing, vivid Technicolor 
movies and this history. It's such a part of British cinema, the theatricalities, painted sets. And I really liked it kind of, you know, in a 21st century way of, yeah, we know where we are. Everyone knows about these studios. Everyone knows about these filmmakers. And I don't know if I think Joe Wright comes from a theater background, so I'm sure that's what he was thinking. But you know what? When your text is out in the world, I can read it however I want. And that's how I read it. No, I think that's really well put. I would so love to see this on the big screen again, too. Yeah. Like, one of the great things about this film is that it has been pretty regularly available on Netflix, I think, since, like, 2013. Yeah. So it has become one of my most rewatched films. Oh, good. But it, frankly, like, kind of looks like shit. Yeah. On Netflix. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to see this, like, on a big screen. Like a... Like a re-release kind yeah, of a thing? Yeah. I like... just... I, like, I feel like I do it such a disservice watching it on a laptop. But I know. I that's how like I've seen it, it mostly. Yeah. I've only ever seen it on my TV screen. That's true. I like... um, In terms of the Joe Wright crew pulling off a period piece, well, you know, we all know there's Pride and Prejudice, there's Atonement, and then there's this is, like, the three big Joe Wright period pieces mm-hmm. I think most people associate with him. It's the same like costume designer. It's the same uh, production designer. It's the same DP for all of these. I thought it was funny. The DP on this had just come from shooting Avengers, like the first one. That's really funny. And he had like no prep time. And he's like, guess what? We're indoors now exclusively. And he's like, all right. Wow. So he did the iconic like shot in Avengers of all, oh, no, no, of all of them, like spi- like the spin shot where all of them are like showing off their little powers. Is that and the first one? Sh- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he did the 2012 one. If that's um, what happens He's also one. reunited with, uh, is he, well, Dario Marianelli doesn't do Pride and Prejudice, but he does do the Atonement score. Oh, nice. And he comes back for this one. Mm-hmm. No, he really brings his, like, A team He's got out. his crew. He's got Kira back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the titular role. I tend to think that Kira is, like, never better than when she's with Joe Wright. Yeah. I did, like, when I read that whole thing about he switched the production so drastically, it's like, I have to consult with Kira Knightley. And I, like, I respect that so much because she is such, like, a face and, an, you know, a part of this period mood for these movies. Like, she's the period piece gal. Totally. And I love how he's like, I really need to talk to Kira about this. On pa- Like, he talks to Kira before he talks to, like, his screenwriter and other people. I love that about him. Well, because it totally changes, like, the level of the performance. Totally. Also, who cares about the screenwriter? It is yeah. Tom Stoppard, but who cares? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry, Tom. Uh, so, Anna Karenina, mm. famous Leo to- Tolstoy novel. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. I've read... Oh, you have read? Up through the ball where... They're clearly making eyes at each other. I read oh. like the first like 150 pages. I don't ask me why I stopped. I got very busy, but I. I'm know, not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask. There's you. no reason. I just forgot why I stopped. It's totally fine. It's fine. Um, I am really underread in the Russians, but and you're I, very well read en general. That's fine. I'm kind of well read. Oh, don't sell yourself short. Um, I read a lot. I don't think I'm necessarily well read. Just because I the difference. Because. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really as meticulous about my reading as I am about like film watching Mm. where I'm not really a completist and I just hop around and I don't try to get a general picture of things because I did like the creative writing English major at my college. I have no like lit or crit theory and therefore have no idea how things like relate to each other in like a grand (laughs) scheme of books. I'm like, books just exist. Books, you turn around, there's another. Yeah, so I don't... In this post-Gutenberg age, they're freaking everywhere. (laughs) So I, one of the professors who used to work in my program was like a big sort of like Russian-lit, Czech-lit guy. Yeah. And I was like, I want to get into this. I really want to read Anna Karenina. And he was like, 
don't start with Anna Karenina's. <laughs> but he wouldn't tell me what to start with. Oh my god! So now I'm like, I guess I'll never read it. But Anna Karenina. Oh yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've essentially got three different relationships. Mm-hmm. You've got titular Anna Karenina, mm-hmm. wife of Karenin, played yeah. by Jude Law. Beautiful. Old old husband. Yeah. Twenty years apart. Mm-hmm. Is sort of what? Oh, I is that am. what it is? Twenty? That yeah, reads. I think it's supposed to be about twenty years. Yeah, there's definitely an age gap. Even though I think Jude and Kira are probably only about ten. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Seven. twelve to fifteen. Yeah. Um, Sandy, can you check on that? The age difference, please. Thank you. Um, and then she's of course tempted by Count Vronsky, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Good noted actor. Blonde. Yeah. What? No, <laughs> noted blonde. Yeah, the blonde hair is works good. That's uh, my favorite part. Are you kidding? Yeah, and then you've got. Constantine Levin and Kitty. Kitty. Um, Princess Kitty. Princess Kitty, which is Donald Gleason and Alicia Vikander married to Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got... Uh, Sandy, can you confirm, is that 20? In real life, Kira Knightley and Jude Law are 20 oh, years apart? Oh, you're doing that. Okay, never mind. Oh, in the book, they are 20. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's good to confirm also. Real life, the two. And the... then you've got mm. Matthew McFagin... And Kelly McDonald, baby. And Kelly McDonald. I love her. As Steva and Dolly. And oh. so the thing is that um, Princess Kitty and Dolly are sisters. Yeah. And Steva and Anna Karenina are siblings. Yes. So that's sort of how everyone's connected to each other. Right. And everything else just unspools from there. And all of them are- Oh, everyone has a, uh, has a crush on Vronsky, too. They're 13 years apart. They're 13 apart. years apart. What did I say? 12 to 15, baby. Yeah, that's truly, yeah, in the middle. Nice. Yeah. Um, And the book- it, it, to my understanding, and the film is just kind of an exploration of all of these different sort of love re- relationships right. and what has happened to all of them and how they either maintain or fall apart. Right. It's like what sort of relationships do we have based on infatuation, based on stability? How do they play out? What's the longevity of them? What's worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in a big Russian novel, 19th century kind of way. It's totally. Yes. Heightened. Heightened. A little nutso. Yeah, she throws herself under a train. Sorry. That's not a spoiler. It's been around for 150 yeah, years. Yeah, she throws herself under a train. Read a book, you know. Read a book. Before we get into Jude, we just got to say, Matthew McFagin, amazing oh in this movie. Oh, my God. Everyone's good, but it's so great to see him oh, in this. Oh, man. Oh, you're right. What do you care? You love the country. You've got it. You love agriculture. Lord knows you've got that. You love shooting. You've got that. You've got everything you want. He's amazing. He's like, he's sort of walrus-esque. Yeah, he's like this. He's a little thick. I, I mean, I always imagine that character just to be even thicker, to be sure. But he's sure. like this living comfortably, like wringing his hands, woe is me, not really willing to sacrifice anything at all. But Big just, mustache. Big mustache. Just like picture of, you know, Russian wealthy bureaucracy. Clearly has some job overseeing a bureaucratic institution. Totally. He, what does he say? Like paperwork is the heart of Russia? Paperwork is the soul of Russia. Farming is only the stomach. It's good. It's so good. He's very silly and heightened. Right. And I think this hand kind wringing. of hand like, wringing. Oh, my wife, but I won't stop sleeping with people. I know. He's... Let's go to the ball. Yeah. So this the impetus for the thing is that he has an affair mm-hmm. with his children's nanny. Classy. Original. Um, we won't touch on that. Keep going. Oh, yeah. We can't touch that. Um, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> but and his, you know, he calls on his sister, Anna, to come to Moscow to convince his wife to take him back. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Talk, um, talk to talk to Dolly for me. Yeah, talk to Dolly. Tell Dolly to forgive me. I am sorry. I'll He's do not nothing that different. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna keep at my behavior, but it's not worth tearing apart our family and our like what eight children or something. Yeah, Six like seventeen. Children. I don't know. Uh, McFadden's so good, and McFadden and Kira had been together for Joe Wright, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, where they are Darcy and um, Elizabeth Bennett. Yeah, but McFadden's so much better in this. Like, Darcy is sort of the anomaly in his career. He's really good at giving empathy to a dingus. Yeah, and he's funnier when he's playing like... I mean, that's Tom. A high-status moron. Yes. Who, like, you can tell doesn't truly feel at rest. He's never, like, the most landed gentry, so to speak. He's always, like, in the world, belongs there, but doesn't feel like he belongs there. And there's always someone he has an eye on who is actually the epitome of that world, and he's kind of, like, unsteady. He's great. Yeah. I think this performance in Anna Karenina totally paves the way for him in succession. It's Tom, yeah. Like, it's a, it's a complete link. Yeah. The differences in the accent. Oh, my God. That's about it. And the mustache. And the mustache. And it really just, like, oh, I'm delighted by him. And the movie starts with him, too. So yeah. I'm always like, I'm in. I love it. I'm locked in. It's always calling a stronger woman to be like, clean up my mess. And I also think, because I rewatched Joe Wright, Pride and Prejudice, which is a movie I do like. But I, I think in years, yeah. he and Kira have much better chemistry as siblings than they do as romantic interests. Yeah, which probably mirrors, like, they're probably buds. Yeah, I think probably by this that. point, it's like seven years later. They're buds. They're buds. They're buds. Big movie for both their careers. Joe Wright seems to have a nice set. I'm sure they're buds. I hope they're buds. God, gotta hope. So Anna leaves St. Petersburg. And no, her hus- she leaves. Oh, sorry. Yeah, she to- leaves Petersburg to go to Moscow. And her husband and problem. son to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. So back in St. Petersburg is her husband, Karenin, played by Jude Law. Jude Law. Of, yeah. Should I place him on the Matrix? Please. Uh, he's straight. Yeah. He's British, parentheses, playing Russian. Sure. Classic thing where Russian people have British accents. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and the hairline is bad. But good. But great. Because he he seems to fully accept it. It works for the character. He's, like, grown out his hair. It's kind of got, like, volume to it. Yeah. The hairline's back in terms of, like, way far back. Way far back. He's supposed to look old, and he does look old. He's, He's... like, this wounded, principled man throughout the whole movie. It's beautiful. And I think this was kind of a big pivot for this is when people are like Jude Law parentheses who's playing against type like him taking this totally. role was huge I can't think of a single other Jude performance we've watched that is anything like him in this movie and he's so great he's great yeah this is very like disciplined like desexualized I mean the whole point is like he can't you know it's a charmless character I consider jealousy to be insulting to you and degrading to me I have no right to inquire into your feelings it's amazing though it's like at the end of the day, you do. I sympathize with him. Also I totally biased. sympathize with him. I think you're supposed to. It's like Anna Kay, you know, that's the whole point. Like she's reckless. She's, you know, very interesting in this world. But you do sympathize at the end of the day with this man who's just trying to live his life, who is trying to respect his marriage, who's taking care of his kid. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm just bloodless and I'm also biased. I'm like, I love Jude Law. He's doing a great job. No, he's doing an amazing job. And... And Karenin. I'm like, yeah, Karenin, absolutely. Karenin is a guy just trying to do his homework. Oh, my God. While people around him are being so chaotic. He's like, I have to go check on the conditions of the Jews. I'm like, it's not good, but I thank you for going. (laughs) I respect that. I am going to Moscow tomorrow and then the provinces with a commission to investigate conditions among the Jews and gypsies, whose conditions I infinitely prefer to my own. It's not as though he doesn't say anything and then they blow up at each other. It's like throughout the movie, he's like, can you please be careful flirting? 
in public because <laughs> none of in. my coworkers respect me. Oh, it's really rather late. I wish to warn you that you may inadvertently, by indiscretion and carelessness, give the world occasion to talk about you. I am not a committee. Please say what you want to tell me. You and Count Vronsky attracted attention tonight. Well, you don't like it when I don't talk to people and you don't like it when I do. I didn't notice anything myself, but I saw everyone else notice. Yeah. And she's like, I don't think we have to talk about anything. Yeah, that's also the thing where it's like you're closed off, but also I can't talk right now. And she like throws herself on her bed. Yeah. Jude is it's so against everything he sort of built his career on. Right. And I think at the time he said, like, yeah, usually I would be playing Vronsky. I like being at a place where I'm not playing Vronsky. Yeah. Because he would. It's like beautiful, blonde blue-eyed, you know, suave cavalry Thighs commander. Thick. Oh my god, I'm glad you said it. Well, he's riding horses. I know, he so looks crazy. He looks fucking great. Ay, ay, ay. Do you think Aaron Taylor Johnson is doing a Jude Law-esque type of performance in this, or do you think he's doing a, something um, more original than that? I think it's not a Jude Law-esque performance because I think when you think of the Jude Law like scene-stealing performances of his early career, there is more of a flamboyance to them. It's I mean, the groundwork is there for him to be a amazing villain, Jude Law, in all of his early work, even though they kind of tried to make him a leading man, which is why I think Young Pope is an amazing crown jewel of his career, because he's playing an amazing villain that he's been building to his entire you know, professional career. So long answer, no, not doing a straight up Jude Law performance, but there definitely are parallels in here's our handsome young blonde man. Yeah, I think... Aaron Taylor Johnson's take on Vronsky and because I haven't read the book I don't have like a frame of reference it's a pretty joyless hot person yes and I think if like had a Jude Jude done this like in his youth there would have been more of a whimsy I think there's not a lot of whimsy to the character I mean it would be fun for us to watch and be like oh I understand why she's falling in love with this guy and and really willing to risk it all Mm -hmm. but I think you know, he's a very Aaron Taylor Johnson is a very like a very serious hot guy. That is the Vronsky thing. It's like here's this upstanding serious hot guy, and it's hot in that he's willing to break with societal expectations for her. Like she's mm-hmm. the one he's gonna like risk it all for because usually he's very like straight and narrow cavalry officer with a future. Yeah, but there's not supposed to be a lot of like charm, whimsy, flirting. No, in terms of like villainy flirting does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense right. like there's flirting and like we're dancing too much at the ball and everyone's like fan 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 oh fan, i fan, love fan. i love the balls I the balls it. are so good yeah i mean so what i mean the, we're, this is like the stuff that takes us away from jude but basically what anna does before she has the affair is she shows up to a ball while she's in moscow mm-hmm. where kitty who has dumped levin right essentially because vronsky flirted with her one time who among us Ugh. um so that's supposed to be the night where she and Vronsky sort of spend the whole night together. And then Vronsky's very distracted by Anna. Right. And vice versa. And Anna's like, I'll dance with you so you'll dance with Kitty. Right. Kitty watches the whole thing and she's like, I'm no fool. I see what's going on here. Huge betrayal because Anna is like big sister to Kitty. Like, oh, my cool cousin's in town. Yeah. And stealing my boyfriend. Yeah. Cool cousin steals your man. Love that. And. It sort of it ruins everything for for all of them for a while. Sets everyone back far in their respective paths. But mm-hmm. ain't that life, honey? Yeah. The thing about Vronsky and Krennan is that they're both kind of risking it all for Anna. Yeah. yeah. There's a take. Because really, like the whole thing of Krennan is like he could. I feel like I'm like justifying like a bad man's action, but it's like he could have kicked her to the curb. 
But I think he can't. I think he. But he can't do it. He can't div- like he can't divorce his wife. He's like you know he's like a minister of culture, minister of like bad conditions in the country or whatever his job is. Yeah, to keep an eye on the Jews. He's <laughs> like I should go check their conditions. I'm like they're bad. <laughs> Help them. What are you gonna do? Anything? No, you're not. The commission to investigate conditions among the Jews and gypsies. Yeah, but we. Why do we think like his form of bureaucracy feels so much more noble than McFadyen's sort of paperwork? Because of the way they carry themselves. It's just totally in the character. And again, beauty of those performances. Like McFadden clearly would rather be at a ball, like hanging out and drinking and having sex with his nanny. And then Jude Law is like, I literally wear my sash. I go to work. I have great posture. And I wear my tiny little glasses. My tiny little glasses. Amazing. Yeah, it's totally in the character. That's why McFadden seems like this bumbling fool. And Karenin, you have this sympathy for because he's just trying to do this job. He's or maybe so soft-spoken. Yeah, he never really raises his voice. Even in the scene where he's like, you've really gone beyond the pale and I can't stand for this anymore. I'm taking away our kid. He never yells. He just is this he's wounded, like, upset. Teary-eyed. Yeah. Teary-eyed but never crying. Right. Do you think I would let you have my son? You are depraved. A woman without honor. I thank God the curse of love is lifted from me. Just like, I am hurt by this, both in reputation and in spirit. Right. And he takes- knows what he looks like. He knows he doesn't look like Aaron Taylor Johnson, thighs thick. Jeez Louise. Um, blonde hair, normal. <laughs> Naturally blonde, not going to bring it up. Um, and there are some really, like, stunning shots of Jude that are not about, like, Jude's handsomeness. Previously, we've been like, there's a great shot of Jude where he looks so hot. Yeah. And a lot of this movie is like, there's a great shot of Jude where he looks despondent. Right. He looks stone-faced and unemotional. And you're like, oh, I see why Anna yeah. Kay is going elsewhere for affection. Yeah. I don't. Sorry. I sympathize with Jude. We're a Jude-centric podcast. We're going to sympathize with Karenin. Uh, yeah. I, I'm so, I kind of, I mean, I get the Vronsky appeal. Are you Who kidding? among us has not ruined their lives momentarily for a hot person to pay attention to them for like three months? Sheesh, good point. Um, but there's a shot of like Jude in an armchair sitting at the edge of the stage. The footlights, with yeah. The footlights. I knew we'd bring that up, yeah. That I was just like, wow, this is like facing away from camera. Right. Hairline yeah, lit they, up. They gave him a hair light for that and like his ultimate defeat just kind of like in that chair and there's a footlight. Mm-hmm. hair light on his receding hairline and voluminous hair yeah to me i think it's it's perfect hair for that character by the way totally it's great it's like yes the hairline but also it's well groomed like kind of it's so unself-conscious of like yeah i know i have a receding hairline but why should that matter i'm the minister of yeah and i don't know if there was makeup for him <laughs> to look older than he is but it's like the first time he looks vaguely weathered. Yeah, he's not glowing like Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is truly like shimmering in every single yeah, scene. Real he's like tan. Twilight ass. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Man. Yeah, Jude's almost like dusty looking. Right. He looks like a book. <laughs> he looks like a book. Wow, one of my favorite things. Yeah, you're obsessed. I love books. You're well read. See? Mm, I don't know. Not a controversial opinion. It's the truth, man. I, I okay. Thank you. And I should just intellect. take it. I should just take the compliment. Yeah. Learn how to do that, yeah. Jude Law. Jude Law. I would love for him to work with Joe Wright again, but Joe Wright high key fell off, and Jude's on the up. <laughs> so I don't know. I Jude don't know is what we're on the up to do and up. That. What is Joe Wright working on? Did we say this already? Yeah, Woman in the Window. Oh, I don't know God. what's next to come for him. I don't think he does either. One foot in front of the other, Joe Wright. 
And Jude, Jude's poised to, you know, Jude's still in comeback mode. I feel like we're talking about like this Jude Law comeback has been like eight years. Eight years. Well, he's just doing stuff he wants. I mean, and to bring it back, it is kind of, this is the first time he's really, not the first time, he's been taking like smaller, charming roles leading up to this. He does Contagion before this where he's, you know, snarky blogger. And so he's taken these smaller roles. This is really something. Contagion's before this? 2011. Wow. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. This is like a big, this is in such diametric opposition to the roles he came up on of like, I'm the handsome man that no one can resist in Mm -hmm. movies and that he's literally losing his wife to charming hot young man. So everyone really takes note of like, oh, he can do the opposite. Why? What range? Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's basically Anna Kay and Spy that are like the Jude Law performances of the last decade and, and Pope, I suppose also. Pope is huge. Pope is huge, but those are Pope. like I even think like Spy and Pope are pretty related. I because both of them are commentary on Jude Law. They're com- I, I Spy is a direct commentary on Jude Law, the persona to be sure. I think Pope is kind of a commentary on Jude Law, but really is just harnessing all the things that are very. We can't talk about Pope on this. We can't talk about Pope because I'm not caught up. <sighs> I'm caught up. You better believe it. I've heard some stuff about the most recent app. Really? What? Well, I heard he's back finally. Yeah, he came back two weeks ago. Oh, he came back two weeks ago. Wow, I'm even behind on that. And they changed the title sequence to be him coming out of the ocean. I love that show so much. I got to catch up. I got to catch up. I got to turn in my thesis and then I'm going to catch up. And then you all can join us here where you better believe we'll have to talk about it. We'll have to talk about it. But I I still think like the Anna Karenina performance is Jude playing like a foil to himself. Yes, Absolutely. Which neither Spy nor Pope are. Right. Again, this is this is a role that is in direct opposition to yes. the classic Jude Law performance as we've known it through this time. Yeah, a guy who loves rules. And is devoid of charm. Totally. Yep. Whereas other Judes, very charming, hate rules. Uh, hate rules. Hate those rules. Bad boy. Good boy. Yeah. I never know how sympathetic to be towards him because I haven't read the book. I'm yeah. like, is this a softening of this character? Should I loathe him more? I feel like he's really very sympathetic. I think he's very sympathetic. But also, we're biased. We're biased. I mean, the real sympathetic characters are like Levin and Kitty. Oh, my God. Who just want to like make it in the country. Levin. Poor Levin. Yeah. Where Levin like shoots a shot, completely shot down. Where has Donald Gleason been? In Star Wars? Hux. Yeah. He's been Hux. Yeah. Yeah. Wish he wasn't. I mean, I, I don't care about those. Are you kidding? I love seeing him. I mean, he's great in the two of those that I've seen. All right. What are you thinking? Movie rules. Beautiful. Movie rules. Oh, can I talk about the score for two seconds? Yes, I'd totally love to. Totally Because I was thinking, I'm like, I want Fran to tell me about the score. This is a Dario Marianelli score. I love Dario. What's Dario done? Well, he did Atonement. Sure. He did Jane Eyre. Ooh. Just when I was scrolling through now, I was reminded he did the score for Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Remember that movie? Yeah, Ewan. Ewan and think Blunt. I'm gonna, think I'm going to forget Ewan? Ridiculous. Ewan and Blunt. Truly. Um, but Dario Marinelli does this score that feels pretty waltz heavy. Yes. I mean, the whole movie is very ballet-esque. And when I was looking into this score, so this score really heavily draws on... Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony, mm-hmm. which is a work I was lucky to see in concert and didn't know until I was sort of sitting in the audience. And I was like, this is 
basically the same as the Anna Karenina score. And the thing is that Tchaikovsky wrote his fourth symphony as like a tone exercise about Anna Karenina, the book. Really? So this is all like reflexive and folding on itself. So Dario Marinelli is borrowing from a symphonic work that is based on the book. Amazing. So, yeah, it's so cool. Was Tchaikovsky in America at the time or was he still in? No, he's always in Moscow. He's always in Russia. Well, I think he moves around between the thing about like Moscow and like. Petersburg. Petersburg. Uh, We just say Petersburg. Peters. Peters. That's what they called in this. They're like, oh, you back to Peters. (laughs) Like, I think he's always hopping around Russia. I can never remember if Tchaikovsky does, like, any continental Europe stuff. He comes to America, though, right? Tchaikovsky? I don't think so. You know what I'm thinking of? I had a cassette uh, when I was a kid that was called Tchaikovsky Comes to America, and it was, like, Oh, you've told me about this before, but I don't think this happened. I mean, it probably didn't. I think also the time frames don't line up, but I like to imagine he actually, you know, did bop around with some kids in New York. It's very like Magic Treehouse books. Did you ever read those as a kid? I'm familiar. All right. Well, I mean, the concept is simple. Again, it is for children. But, you know, Tchaikovsky comes to America and kind of bops around in New York City and experiences street life with the kids. Street life sounds dramatic. <laughs> Not like they're urchins, but street life. they're like getting hot dogs. Yeah, well, Tchaikovsky's gay, so I'm like, is he on the prowl? Yeah, this doesn't... Christ. Tchaikovsky is, like, <laughs> self-isolated and gay in the countryside. I know he's a big gay, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, relatively big gay. As, you, as, as big as you can be in the time period. Sure. It's known he is, right? Oh, you told me he had, like, he has, like, the buddy forever and ever, and he's like, I want to... You told me some Yeah, his really... patron... That's it. Yeah, his, he has this patron... Like named like Von Meck or Von Veck or something, who pays for him to like live in like a cottage on her estate, <laughs> and they send each other their schedules for the day so they never have to run into each other oh, because he was dream. sort of like his attraction to men was so strong that it sort of looped back into a full on repulsion of all women. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I don't want to see this woman ever because it's going to jolt me and upset me. And one time they ran into each other on the grounds while both taking a walk. And he's always like, this is the worst day of my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) He's crazy. He's crazy. Good. But he writes, I think he writes the fourth symphony in in this like state of, um, you know, depression and madness. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe relates to Anna Kay Mm -hmm. as this protagonist feeling very trapped in a type of loveless relationship because he is briefly married to a woman because he's like, I think I just have to do this yeah. for society. Sure. And I think this is the, the symphony number four that comes out of this is pretty like full of turmoil and it's, it's not as fun as like what we think of as like Tchaikovsky music, but it's an amazing symphony and obviously like relates heavily to this score. But then it's his fifth symphony, like post-divorce that's like, I'm back baby. <laughs> Right. The post-divorce piece is always the best. Yeah, we love it. That's when the good work happens. The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck in theaters this spring. Nancy Myers presents It's Complicated. <sighs> that it is. Final thoughts from you? Let's go see The Way Back. Yeah, we gotta go. That We are gonna go. 
Final thoughts are we can't forget that Ben Affleck is hot. I was reminded of that this week, and we should go see The Way Back. It's true. Ben Affleck, not unlike Jude Law, has been, quote-unquote, coming back for a long, lot of years now. Yeah. He'll you be know? fine, I think. They're both going to be fine. They're both going to be fine. Jude's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Stay safe out there, everyone. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. All right. Sandy? Thank you so much for being our producer. Thank you to Ben Kling for our song, to Karen Hahn for the cover art, and for you all for joining us. Please uh, like, rate, subscribe. Be nice. Be nice. Please. We're fragile. (laughs) We are. Like Anna Kay herself. Like Jude Law and Anna Kay. There we go. All right, guys. Good night.